Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. But right, today, we're going to carry on from the, the sermon series that we've been doing, uh, Advantage, uh, all about the Holy Spirit. And it comes from this verse here in uh, John chapter 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. But if I depart, then I will send him to you. However, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. So Jesus is talking about an advantage that's going to come into your life, uh, come into our lives. Uh, and he was telling his disciples, hey, you know what? The, the experience that you have with me right now, the, uh, the ability to like reach over and touch me, the, the ability to ask me a question and then hear me immediately respond with these ears, the ability to, to, to reach out and touch me and drag me somewhere and say, hey, can you heal my, my family member or something like that? Jesus was saying, you know what, that closeness that you have, that proximity that you have with me right now, there's actually something better. There's an advantage if I go away. I'm going to send somebody to you, God, who's a person, an, a, a, another person in the Trinity. God himself is going to come, and instead of being beside you, he's going to live in you. That's an advantage. That's way, way, way better than just, if you can imagine it, that's way better than Jesus sitting there and being able to touch him. He's in you. That's pretty darn close. So, yeah, that's, that's an advantage. And, and, and some of the things that happen to you when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, there, there's lots of good things that he does. We talked last week about the advantage of being able to speak in tongues, the gift of tongues, and Pastor Carl unpacked some of that. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in general, all the rest of them. Because uh, he, he does, he comes into your life and he gives you supernatural abilities, supernatural power to do stuff that you otherwise can't do. So who thinks that's an advantage, right? Yeah, and we need them. So we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk today about what these gifts are, what are they, how they work, and what are they for. And uh, like I said last night, it didn't quite work, but we're going to do that in about 20 minutes. Because first, there's a couple of things that I, I really want to share before we get into that. But don't tune out. It's really, really important. I'm a, I'm a really big believer in, in foundations, right? So the Apostle Paul, he said, when he wrote in, in his letter to 1 Corinthians, to, to the Corinthian church, the same book that's all about the gifts of the Spirit in, in chapter 12 and 14, he says this. He says, no one can lay any foundation other than one that we already have, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation for life. He's the foundation, the revelation of Jesus is the foundation for the church. He said, it's on this revelation that I'm going to build my church. Jesus Christ is the foundation of every good thing. And, and I really believe that to be properly applied and understood, even the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they have to be rooted in and they have to flow out of our picture of God in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, you can, you can just kind of get into weird stuff, right? Because it, it, it comes out of it. It comes from Jesus. But okay. Another foundational idea I want to share with you is this. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, I mean, who's ever heard of the gifts of the Spirit before? Right? Like, like a lot of us, right? So it's, it's not so much that we, we don't know about them. Maybe we don't know what they are. And, and if that's the case, I'm going to fill in some blanks today. But 
I'm, I'm kind of convinced, actually, that, that what makes us ineffective in our use of the gifts of the Spirit, or maybe something that stops us from using them as often as we could, isn't that we don't know what they are. It's not even that we're game to do them. You know, we're, we're up for it. Most of us want to see this stuff happen. But I think that there's sometimes there's these accompanying beliefs or, or ideas or mental pictures that we have about God, about the gifts themselves, perhaps, that... Uh, that, that are responsible for uh, maybe some ineffectiveness or lack of use in our lives, more so than a lack of, you know, a desire for the gifts. I mean, we want them. I, I hope that's the case. But the, So I'm going to just talk about a couple things, just three ideas that I think are really, really important to understand about the gifts. And then from there, we're going to go forward into a little discussion about what they are, how they work, and what they're for. But first of all, before we talk about the gifts, I think it's really, really important that you see that God wants you to value the gifts, and he wants you to use them. He wants you to think of these things as though they're, they're really, really important. So I don't know who, has anybody ever heard the phrase before, uh, seek the giver, not the gifts? Yeah? So I really, really appreciate the sentiment in that, in that thought, where we're, we're not wanting to come across as though we're using Jesus and the only things we want from him are the things that he gives us or the things that he does for us. I appreciate that. That's, that's really, really good. But look at this. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? With him, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the, the blessings of God that come, they come in Christ Jesus. See, he became for us wisdom from God, redemption, sanctification, all the blessings that we have, the, the, all the blessings in the heavenly places that we have, they're in Christ Jesus. So it's all in him. Seeking the gifts is a, is a way of seeking the giver. It's a way of honoring Jesus. It, it, it's a whole package deal. It's not, it's not cool to say, you know what, I don't, I don't need that, Jesus, thank you. Or I'm not too excited about that, <laughs> Whatever. That's a good, I mean, think about it. Christmas. Somebody gives you a gift. Would you be like, eh, tsh, don't want that. Sorry. I mean, maybe you do. That's an awkward family Christmas, right? But anyways, he wants to give it to you, so you should embrace it. You should want it. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, we're given this command by the Apostle Paul. He says, pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. That word uh, desire, uh, in the Greek, it's zelo. And I mean, I think... <laughs> I'm just pretending, I don't know. But it means to be jealous. It means to be deeply committed to something, to set your heart on it, to be completely intent upon it. You know, it's not idolatrous to really, really want the gifts of God and to really, really, really pursue them. He's actually, he wants you to have that attitude towards them. He wants you to set your heart on it on the manifestation of the supernatural expression of Holy Spirit inside of you, in signs and wonders and miracles, he wants that for you. So sometimes we can get in this little mindset where we're like, Jesus, just use me. Jesus, come on, come on. I want the gifts I want. I want to see something. He actually really, really wants that for you more than you do. He's really, really deeply committed to that, and he's just asking you that you'd partner in him with the same passion and the same desire for the gifts that he wants to give you and express through you. So that word uh, desire, zelo, like I said, it's actually the same word that's used in James chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, you lust and you don't have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. Lust, bad thing, murder, covet, don't do it. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or horse or whatever it was, right? <laughs> We're not supposed to covet stuff. It's the same word. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. 
desire is covet. Covet after the spiritual gifts. Be desirous for them. He wants you to have them. He wants you to set your heart on them. And like I said, it's not idolatrous. It's not proud. It's good to have an attitude that says, I want this. I want to pray for sick people and see them healed. I want God to speak into my life and share with me mysteries. I want him to give me words of knowledge and wisdom. I want to discern spirits and all that stuff. I want that. And I'm not afraid to say it. And I'm not afraid to say, Jesus, let's do this. Holy Ghost, let's do it. So you got you to gotta want him. And you got to know that God wants you to want him. And you got to know that he wants you to use them. Secondly, you've got to see that these are vital. These are an absolutely necessary component to God's plan. They're, they're really not optional. So as Pastor Cheryl said, the eternal purpose of God is to display the manifold wisdom of God through all of us, right? He wants to show himself off through us. He's going to fill the whole world with the knowledge of his glory through us. And you can't actually represent or, let's say, represent, make God present, make God known, an all-powerful, all-loving God without the power of God, right? It's absolutely essential. See, we have the same calling that Jesus. It's fantastic. If you look in John chapter 17, Jesus said, uh, he's praying in the garden, and he says to the Father, Father, I, I fulfilled the mission. I did it. A couple of verses later, he says, I manifested your name. He fulfilled the mission. He manifested the name of God. He made God known. He clearly, accurately represented the full nature of God in power and signs, wonders, and self-giving love, even to the extent of the cross. He set the record straight forever. He showed off who God really, really was. And we've got that same calling. So in that same chapter, he says, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending you. Jesus is still doing that. He's still showing off the Father. He's still making the glory of God known and seen and visible and tangible, expressible, touchable. But he's doing it through us, right? So it's, it's absolutely essential. And, and we see this from the, the life and the ministry of Jesus, that, that, that signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, these were an absolutely integral part of his life and ministry. So one time Jesus was questioned by the religious leaders. They kind of had this ongoing running conversation. And uh, he says this to them. He says, if I don't do the works of my father, don't believe me. How's that for an evangelistic message? Here, don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Believe the works. In other words, he's saying, hey, you know what? You don't really have to listen to what I'm saying. If you want to see who God is, look at what I'm doing. Look at what's manifesting through my life in supernatural signs, wonders, miracles, all that stuff. Here's another story. John the Baptist, he's having a really bad day. He's been put in jail. He's a little bit, I think, probably a little bit depressed. And I think he's probably thinking to himself, was this worth it? I'm supposed to be the, the prophet that, that proclaims the coming one. I, I think I saw him one time. I think he showed up. I think he's the one. The dove came down. But he's, he's gone through some stuff. He's a little bit confused, a little bit frustrated. So when, it, when it's visiting time at the jail, some of his friends come. And he says, hey, I need you to go find Jesus. And I need you to ask him, are you really the Messiah? So they do. Jesus, or John the Baptist's disciples go. They find Jesus. And... Uh, and they ask him, they say, hey, are you the Messiah, or are we waiting for another person? So this is Jesus, point blank, being asked, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the coming one? Are you the one we should put all of our hope in? And it says the very hour that he was asked of this question, 
John chapter 7, he says, He cured many infirmities, inflictions, afflictions, and evil spirits. To the blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Hey, go tell John the things you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who's not offended at me. Jesus' very own answer to the question, Are you the Messiah? He didn't give any words at first. He did something. He demonstrated something. He showed what a life was like filled with the Holy Ghost. He showed and demonstrated what it looked like for God to live inside of a human being. And there were signs. There were wonders. There were miracles. And don't be offended by them. I mean, sometimes they can look weird. Sometimes you can, you can have a, a bad experience. You know the Bible says don't despise prophecy? And I really think it says that because some people came to despise it because it was a, a bad experience in their life. Sometimes the gifts of the Spirit, they look a little bit messy, but don't be offended. Those are the works of God in human containers. So sometimes it might be a little messy, right? But the Apostle Paul, you see the same thing in his, in his life, Romans 15. He says, you know, I fully preach the gospel. And, and he says, I fully did it because I did it with signs, wonders, and demonstrations of the power of the Spirit of God. He didn't think he'd fully preached until there was some stuff going on. So we really, really, really have to come to terms. I mean, I, I love arguments. I love philosophy. I, I love all that kind of stuff. I love intellectual stuff. I, I like it. I like to read. I like all that stuff. It's fantastic. But, 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 at the end of the day, it says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's not about word. It's about power. At some point, it's about power. Those words are to usher you into an experience with Almighty God. He's supposed to be a tangible experience in your life. And when you experience a powerful God, something powerful is going to happen to you. So you've got Holy Spirit. You've got the gifts of the Spirit in you. And, and somebody bumps up against you, interferes with your life, gets involved in your world. There should be these kind of things happening. Because that's God in you, right? All right, so it's not a matter of talk. It's not words. It's power. Raw, unadulterated, God power to change and transform lives. So the last idea I want to share, too, before I get into this, is uh, you've got to know the gifts of the Spirit. What we're going to talk about, these are, are for you. They're not just for today. Pastor Carl did a great sermon uh, last week about uh, the idea of cessationism and continuationism, something like that, where, uh, you know, there's the, the belief that the gifts of the Spirit uh, are done, they're over. They stopped at the end of the apostolic age or, or when the Bible was either written or uh, compiled or canonized, different people, different thoughts. But uh, there's also the position, we, we're not that, by the way. We don't believe that. We absolutely believe they're here. They're, they're available today. We're continuationists. The gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, it's always been at work through, uh, throughout the centuries. We believe that. We absolutely do. So you got to know that they're not just uh, for today. But you gotta, let's use some pronouns. You gotta personalize it and say, these are for me. Me. The gifts of the Spirit are for this guy. Me. Moi. Moi. They're for you. And you gotta know that you, just as you are right now, you are qualified to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people think they gotta get cleaned up. It's almost like you say, hey, go for it. And they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I gotta get holy first, I gotta stop sinning. I got to get evil out of me, get the evil out of my life. Uh, if I just stopped with this bad habit or something, which you should do, right? 
You've got the power of God, so stop it. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad idea. I'm just talking about being qualified, right? So some people are like, you know, I, I can't do this stuff because I'm not qualified yet. I'm not holy enough yet, or something like that, you know? But we looked at this last week, John chapter 16. The advantage you have, the Holy Spirit who's coming, this same Holy Spirit who wants to give you his gifts, who wants to express his power through you, that same Spirit is the Spirit Jesus said is actually going to come and teach you and show you the truth about sin, about God's righteousness and judgment. Now, he's going to show you the truth about sin. If, if you haven't got this figured out yet, you're wrong about sin. If you don't have faith in Jesus, that's about it. See, the real truth about your sin is that in Jesus, he took it all. It's all gone, right? Even the sins, even the bad things that are in your life, the bad attitudes, the bad, uh, let's say, behavior, attitudes, problems, whatever, even that stuff that you think might stop you from being used by God, even that stuff. See, it's not a, it's not a special kind of sin, the kind of sin that, well, I, I, I still get to get saved, but I can't be used by God this way. No, all sins... It's all been nailed in his body onto the cross. The blood of Jesus covers all of it. You really got to understand that. If you have any questions whatsoever about righteousness, am I righteous? Am I holy? Am I righteous enough? Well, again, that same Holy Spirit that wants to work in you and, and say, do miracles through you, that same Holy Spirit's the one who's pointing you up and saying, look, there's your righteousness, Jesus. He says he's going to tell you that you're wrong about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. Look up. Who's at the right hand of the Father? Jesus. As he is, so are you in this world. He is your righteousness. So you're totally, totally qualified. But maybe, let's just say maybe you're, you're still struggling with that, and you're kind of like, well, my experience is, let's just say this. God spoke to me one time and told me he'd use me if this happened. That might be a sore issue. I don't know. Maybe we've got experiences that cause us to believe that, well, you don't know what I did. I mean, if you really knew me, if you really saw my attitudes, that's great for everybody else. But I mean, I'm somehow a special class of bad person. I don't know. I do bad things that no one else does. I don't know. Whatever the case is. Let's say you're having a hard time with this. Let's be biblical, right? Let's get biblical. Let's look at some biblical examples. Uh, let's not just listen to me. Let's see how these things work in the Bible. All right, so we've got Jesus' disciples. We'll, we'll look at them first. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Jesus gives his disciples. You can look this up if you like, but it's there, I promise. I didn't just make some verses up. Luke 9, 1 to 2. Jesus gives his disciples all power and authority to cure diseases and to cast out demons. So he's given it to them. Now, by a certain logic, that would assume, well, these guys must have their, their stuff together, right? They're probably all right. I'll be mean, Luke 9.32. Peter, James, and John get to go up the mountain. They get to have this transfigured experience with Jesus. They see Jesus in all of his glory. Who all wants that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say I pray for those kind of experiences. I want to see Jesus if I am as he is right now in this world. I want to see him. I'm not afraid. You shouldn't be either. Ask for it. You don't have it if you don't ask. I want to see that stuff. So they, they have this experience. Now, there's a certain logic that's like, well, these guys, again, they, they must be kind of cleaned up. They must have their, their act together. Well, guess what? Look at these people, these, these same people who've been given power. They've gone out and they've used the power. So it's not hypothetical, theoretical stuff we're talking about. 
Luke chapter 9, a couple verses later, verse 46, after they got this power, after they had this spiritual experience, they start fighting over who's the greatest. It's like they get given this power, and then all of a sudden they're like, I am awesome. I have someone's better than you. And then they start fighting with each other. Like, proud much, right? Pride's a bad thing, right? So pretty proud. And then this is, uh, I said this last night too, this is one of my favorite, I don't know if this says something about me, but it's one of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible, Luke 9, verse 54. James and John, they get this new pound, found power and authority from Jesus, and they want to use it to commit murder. They actually want to kill people with it. They want to call down fire from heaven because there's some Samaritans who won't accept Jesus. That's crazy. That's not holy. I mean, how far can you get from holy than I want to kill people with the gifts of the Spirit? <laughs> Is anybody here like, Jesus, give me a gift so I can see someone drop dead a supernaturally violent death? They did. They did. And he still gave them power. Still gave them authority. Right? So next time you think, ah, I'm, I'm a little messed up, probably won't work in my life. Are you a murderer at heart? Do you want to kill somebody? I hope the answer is no. Oh my goodness. Wow. All right, so let's say, nah, you know what? Not convinced. That's before the cross. These aren't spirit-filled believers. They, uh, you know, they, they, they've still got stuff going on, whatever. Okay, so let's look at a New Testament example of some spirit-filled believers. Because, you know, we all want to get back to the New Testament, supposedly. Now watch this. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking about them. And he says this about this church. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 7, he says, these guys, you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. Later in the book, chapter 12, chapter 14, he's writing them and he's instructing them about how to function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because, because they are. They're using them. They're doing the stuff. He says, you're not coming behind in any way. You're not lacking the spiritual gifts. But that, listen to how he describes them. Listen to the things that he talks about, this same community of people that are doing the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 10 to 11, he says, there's factions and divisions amongst you. You're a divided group. You're, you're constantly pitting one group against the other. It's pretty bad, right? Unity in the body of Christ, big deal. Chapter 3, verse 3, he says, you guys are fleshly. You're not ready for solid food. You guys are basically so dumbed down spiritually that I can't actually talk to you about what I want to because you're just not getting it. You're full of jealousy and quarreling. You're fighting. And now, chapter 5, verse 1. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's pretty bad. So this is a culture in Corinthians where, uh, in Corinth, where people, uh, the pagans, would, would go to their temple, and part of their temple worship was... Uh, uh, getting involved with a prostitute. That's part of their church service, their, their worship, whatever, whatever it was. So that, that's, just to give you an idea, that's kind of the thing that's going on in the culture. Paul writes to these people and he says, you know what, there's immorality, there's sexual problems going on amongst you that is so bad it would make those people blush. You would embarrass those people. And he said, instead of being sad about it, you're actually proud. Bad, right? Bad. 1 Corinthians 11, 20, 23, they're having communion services. And somehow at their communion services, they're all getting drunk, 
and they're making fun of poor people, and they're making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. That's the group of people. That, uh, that, that jealous, fleshly, sexually immoral drunkards who made a mockery of the poor in the Lord's Supper, that's the people who, in the Bible, are healing the sick, prophesying, doing miracles, discerning spirits, all the good stuff that we won't do because we think we first have to get a little bit more holy. Right? And Paul wrote to these people, and he said, to the saints. He called these same group of people saints. Now, I probably should say this just as a little, uh, before you're like, wow, that guy's whacked. It's really important, you see, sin's not the issue. Sin's not disqualifying you. But I'm telling you what, if you're in bad stuff, don't do it. Right? This isn't a, yes, I can do whatever I want. I can live like the devil and God's going to use me. Awesome. I mean, that's not the attitude of grace, right? Grace, the grace of God that brings salvation appears to all men, teaching everybody, teaching you. The grace of God teaches you to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, and that you should live soberly. Getting drunk at communion is not living soberly, right? So that's not to say that, uh, you know, go do whatever you want and it's all good. At some level, you know what? God loves people so much that if I'm living like the devil, and I, but I have faith to manifest a gift and to bless somebody else, God loves that person so much that he's going to use me because he loves that person. But he loves me too. And he doesn't want me to do things that hurt myself. And he doesn't want me to do things that are hurting other people. So he's going to have a conversation. So here's a good thing to realize. The gifts of the Spirit, just because they're at work in your life, isn't an endorsement for everything you do and say. But if you've got stuff in your life, it also doesn't disqualify you from using them. Right? Jesus is your righteousness no matter what. And because the righteous one lives inside of you, his righteousness is going to find an expression through you. Hang in there. It's going to happen. But don't disqualify yourself. Right? Don't do it. Don't put yourself in probation. Don't do it. It's all good. Likewise, don't do dumb stuff. Seriously. You've got a good nature. He's given you the divine nature. It, it, it hurts you when you, when, you, when you don't deal with stuff because you're living contrary to who God's actually made you to be. So you're, you're coming down. Paul says to the same group of people, and he's like, hey, you guys are, are fleshly. You're full of quarreling and strife. He's like, when you're doing that, you're acting like mere men, like mere mortals. What's he getting at? You guys have been born again. You got a whole new nature. Don't, don't forget it. Don't, don't sink down. Live, live up to what's already done inside of you. So you're qualified, and they're for you. They really are for you. They're not just for a special class of believer. They're not just for those who are in ministry. They're not for you after you've gone to Bible school or after you've done a class. They're for you right now, today. Jesus said, Mark 17 and 18, these signs shall follow those that believe no matter what your station or your function in life is. See, some people have this idea that you um, pick on two different people today. Let's say Rebecca. Rebecca will say, I, I don't think she really does, but let's just disclaimer, say, I have the gift of healing. Bobby might say, I have the gift of prophecy. 
Now, as soon as you do that and you, and you take personal ownership for the gifts and, and, and you don't recognize that they're the Holy Spirit's gifts, they're his possession, and you start to identify yourself as being the possessor of one gift, you rule out the possibility of operating in the other eight. Does that make sense? So, so how it could work is, is Rebecca could say, well, I have the gift of healing. Bobby's, I got prophecy. So Bobby needs to be healed. He calls Rebecca and says, pray for me. I want to get healed. Bobby ne or Rebecca needs a word. So she calls Bobby and Bobby says, hey, I got the word of the Lord for you. No, you can, you can do it all. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He possesses them and he distributes them as he wills. So here's another idea. Uh, well, he, he wills to do it through me now, but not then. I, I, need a, I need a neon light from heaven to come down and say, I will for you to do this gift. Well, Holy Spirit's the helper. First of all, we see in the life of Jesus that he's just always wanting to heal everybody. He's always wanting people to come into a contact with God in some way. So he's just full-on dispensing stuff all the time because he knows. I've seen my Father's heart. I've seen what he wants to do, and he wants the whole earth everybody to have an experience with God. He wants the whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. He called the Holy Spirit the helper. Should I, should I exercise a gift? Well, is that gift going to help somebody? Then you know Holy Spirit wills. He's the helper. Well, well, how do I know? Maybe he doesn't will to, to do this in this particular situation. Well, let, let's, uh, I've heard this example many times, but let's imagine you're, you go up to the hospital and somebody's sick. What gift do you need when somebody's sick? Gifts of healing, right? That person needs healing. He doesn't need prophecy about all the re reasons why he's sick and what he needs to do to get better. He needs the gift of healing manifested. He needs to be healed, Right? So Holy Spirit wills to do stuff. He really does. Now, there's also this idea that 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the, uh, you know, I'm one of you is the eye, one of you is the hand, the foot. It talks about honorable, dishonorable body parts, all that kind of stuff. And so there's different, different parts of the body. Now, there's, there's an idea that says, well, okay, well, I'm the hand, so I've got the gift of healing. Somebody else in the body of Christ is an eye. So they have the gift of prophecy or words of knowledge. They see stuff, right? That, 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 but I don't think that's what Paul's saying. I don't think that's what he's getting at. I think he's saying the same Holy Spirit who possesses the gifts, he lives in everybody no matter what your station or function in life is. He's not trying to differentiate people based on their gifts. That, that's, I think that's kind of an unrenewed mindset, that's kind of a knowledge of good and evil idea where we're trying to identify ourselves and differentiate ourselves from other people based on the gifts that I possess. You know, it's kind of weird. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a everybody at every station. You're an I. You're a doctor. You're, you're a business leader. You're, you're in the marketplace. You're a foot. You're, you're in the ministry. You're a, I don't know, you're a student. You're, you're an ear. Whatever. It's, it's not by the gifts. It's by who you are. We're all different. We've all got different callings. We're all put in different places in the world. And thank God that we are. I mean, wouldn't it be boring if we all came here all week? That would kind of really suck as much as I like to see people. Right? It's good that we're all out all over the place. Right? So the point being, that same Holy Spirit, whether you're an eye in business, whether you're a foot in athletics, Whatever, wherever you are, that same Holy Spirit desires and wills to manifest all of his gifts through you, no matter where you are and no matter what your station in life is. 
So it's really, really important that you embrace that. It's really important that you begin to develop a vision and a picture for yourself of, of, of operating in the gifts of the Spirit where you are now. You're not like, hey, when I, when I get into ministry, when I, when I get more free time, that kind of stuff. No, have a, have a picture for what God wants to do in your world at work, in your home. He wants to talk to us all the time, everywhere. So those are some good ideas. you got to know they're for you. You are qualified. God wants you to value these things. And you got to know that they're vitally necessary. So what are these things we're talking about? These gifts of the Spirit. Well, they're differentiated from Romans chapter 12, where it talks about the, the motivational gifts. If you're interested, you can look that up. But there's a, um, there's a list of gifts there. This is prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, mercy. We understand those to be gifts that the Father gives. Those speak about uh, your, your basic intrinsic makeup, your, your, your motivation, the way you see the world, your, your innate perspective that's been wired into you. God's made you a certain specific special way. That's the gifts of the Father. There's gifts that Jesus gives his church in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, these gifts are, are actually gifts of people. Hello. These are gifts of people where Jesus, who is the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, he gives gifts of himself into people. People embody certain aspects of, of the man and the message and, and the ministry that he carries. And, and they, uh, ascension giftings, these people manifest Jesus in a very particular way. These are gifts of Jesus to the church. Now, there's gifts of the Spirit, which is what we're talking about today. These are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 to 11, and I'll just read them to you. This is out of the New King James Version. But these are gifts that the Spirit expresses through us. So he says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpreting of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. We know he wills. He absolutely wills. So these gifts... It's good just to break it down, just to touch on it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. You can do this yourself, but it's really, really good just to be like, oh, wow, so what, what is available to me? I'm going to unpack this a little bit. When I speak about the gifts of the Spirit, what am I talking about? Is it the ability to fly? No. <laughs> Maybe that would be a miracle. Maybe that would be a gift of faith. I don't know. Don't go try it. Okay, the word of wisdom. This is a, a special insight that that. God gives you in a situation. The Holy Spirit just kind of gives you a little bit of know-how. You, you don't know why. You, maybe you've discerned it's the, it's the voice of the Lord, but God gives you know-how, how to do something. He, he shows you something. Maybe it's a strategy or something. Uh, there's a word of knowledge that God gives you a piece of information where you, you otherwise couldn't have it. It's, it. Maybe it's a detail about somebody or about something. Maybe it's uh, you, you just know what God's doing in the moment. Maybe it's, it's something like that, but it's something that you couldn't know otherwise. Sometimes there's a gift of faith. 
It's like you, you can't explain it, but you just believe for something. You know that God's going to do something no matter what, and you can't be shaken until it's done. It's just, you just believe. You know, you know, I know that I know that I know kind of thing. You just know it. It's inexplicable. And it allows you to, to act in a faith that's otherwise just ridiculously bold and crazy. Crazy good. There's gifts of healing. There's lots of gifts. There's lots of different ways that healing happens. There's lots of different things and types of things that people need to be healed of. There's the working of miracles. This could be, I think, as, as broad as raising somebody from the dead to like the Old Testament prophet who made the axe head float. It could be Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fishes. Those are gifts of miracles. There's the gift of prophecy. Now, this can be, it can be predictive in nature, but not always, not always directive, but it should always be encouraging, edifying, and exhortation. It's an encouraging, edifying, exhortational message from Jesus. And it, and it represents and it communicates the heart and the mind of Jesus in the present moment to a particular person or a particular situation. See, the Bible says in Revelations that it's the spirit of, or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So there's lots of things that get prophesied on the internet and stuff like that. But hey, prophecy, it's the, it's the testimony of Jesus. What's, what's he thinking, feeling, wanting, and seeing right now? What's his current word right now? There's a spontaneous aspect to it. That's prophecy. There's the gift where you have the ability to discern spirits. Maybe you, you see angels. Maybe you see demons. Maybe you don't see them. Maybe you just know. But it's the ability to, uh, to discern, because there, there are different kinds of spirits. I mean, we're, we're supernatural, spiritual people. We, we have a spirit. So there's the ability to differentiate between a, a human spirit, the activity of the spirit of God, demonic spirits, and angelic spirits. And that's a, that's a really helpful gift to have. But it's not, a, it's not suspicious. It's not to be confused for a, a special insight into brother so-and-so's sins, Right? That's not the gift of discernment. I mean, you might have a word of knowledge or something like that, but it's always redemptive, right? First, is it Galatians 6? It says, hey, anybody who's caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, restore that one. Gently, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're really not about, uh, I don't know, pointing bad things out about other people. There's a place in Jeremiah where God says to Jeremiah, hey, if you can extract the precious from the worthless, then you can be my spokesman. If you can look into a situation, even the, even the most horrible, even, even the most hopeless, even the most sinful, dreadful situation, and you can look into that situation and call out the gold in it, you can be his spokesman. If you can't, shh. Yeah? Because then the spiritual gifts turn into gossip and weird stuff, and it's no good. So you got to see, there's a, I really hope, just like, we've just gone through the list really quick, but I hope you can see that there's an application for each of these gifts, not just in ministry, but in your life, right? There, there's a place in it, there's a time and a place, and the will of God is to constantly put Jesus on display, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. So this is just a, a little quick example, but I, uh, I, one time I was, uh, my first year at university, this is probably like, I don't know, seven years ago, something like that, but we, uh, we were trying to sell a house. We were renting another house. Uh, it took like 12, 13 months for this thing to sell. And then when we finally did get a seller, some pipes burst. And it was just a, it was a mess. I was really under a time crunch to fix stuff. Uh, and I was also taking a course. And I was on academic probation because they wouldn't let me. For some reason, they wouldn't accept my English uh, high school results. They're like, no, you got to do this as a mature student. So anyways, there's pressure to get it done and to get a good mark. 
and I'm dealing with this house stuff. I got no time whatsoever to deal with school, to study, or anything like that. But I'm sitting in class the day before uh, the exam, and uh, my professor said something, and the Holy Spirit says to me, that's the question on the exam. That's your exam question. I was like, sweet. All right. Well, next day I've got two hours to study for my exam, so I'm sitting in my car, and I'm like, well, what am I going to read? Because I've literally got so much to read. I'm going to read as though that's the question on the exam. And sure enough, next day, flip the page over. Yep, there it was. That's a word of knowledge, maybe, right? Nobody got healed, nobody got saved from that result. It's just, a, it's a great story, but it helped me out a lot, right? He's the helper. Don't, uh, don't relegate his activity in your life to what you consider to be super spiritual activity. Right? He's, he wants to help you in every way all the time, not just when you're in these uh, special moments. That mattered to me. That was a special moment to me anyway, so thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit helps me cheat. <laughs> on exams. On exams. Right? Wow. Sometimes you say stuff and you're like, ooh, where would that go? He blessed me. He helped me. All right, so the, another thing to see about these gifts is that they're gifts. Now, sometimes you can think about gifts as terms of like, wow, you're a gifted individual. God does give us gifts, talents, abilities. You've got special abilities. Holy Spirit endows you with a gift. But I, I think we should also, at least also, think of them as presents. Think of it as a gift in terms of, here you go. And the reason why I think that is this. Paul says, there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. That word gift is charisma. It's a gift of grace. It's a, free, it's a free gift. It's basically saying spiritual graces is basically what he's saying. So, next slide. It's coming. That gift, charisma, the free grace, it's the same word used to refer to the gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the charisma of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Same word, same meaning, free gift. And the reason why that's pretty important is next time you feel tempted to be like, I don't think I deserve the gifts of the Spirit in my life. I, I, I've sinned like a dog. There's no expectation for this stuff to happen in my world. Well, ask yourself, do I deserve to get saved? Did I earn that? Of course not. Did you qualify for it? No, you didn't. You received a free, a free gift of grace. Same thing. It's that easy to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's a gift. It's a free grace gift. It's not even this thing you need to work up to. Here you go. Go. Right? It's good stuff. It's a gift. It's just that a gift is a gift. So here is what I refer to as the million-dollar question. I get asked a lot. How... Do these things actually work? And I might disappoint you, but I'm just going to say this. It works by faith. Next slide. No, just kidding. <laughs> it does work by faith. There's not, a, there's not like five or six steps. Come, go to the conference, read the book, whatever. I mean, do those things that help build up your faith. By all means, do that stuff. But uh, there, there isn't a six steps to flowing in discernment five ways to get better at prophecy or something like that. As if if you nail these things, if you tick the list, you're going to start to do this stuff. Now, there are some things that you can do, but these are things that faith will inform. 
They're faith-informed actions that you can do. So Paul, he asked this rhetorical question, and it's rhetorical because the answer is so obvious. But he says to the Galatians, he says, basically, I'm asking you this question. He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, so that person maybe we see on, on TV or, or somebody you know, Hopefully you know somebody personally here. Hopefully you are the kind of person who operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Does that person, do they do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. It's absolutely by faith. There is no... That, that's, that's the basic key ingredient, let's put it that way. Now the second part of this is, is that sometimes how do they work? Well, miracles have to be worked. And I hope that's not a contradiction when I say faith. See, James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead. So let's say that you're, you're like, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe they're for today. They're for me. I'm qualified. I'm ready to go. Yes. How come nothing's happening? What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got that faith, good for you, but you've got to put it into action somehow. So it's really as simple and really as basic as this. I believe that Jesus wants to use, he wants to see people healed. Therefore, Holy Spirit wants to express gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of healing through me. Therefore, by my faith, I go lay hands on people. Right? Easy. How do you speak in tongues? Speak in tongues. Right? You just speak. Speak. There, we, we honestly overcomplicate this stuff. We really do. We make it so difficult. We make it so mechanized and so cold and so formulaic. And it's really just you being the human being made in God's image, filled with the Holy Spirit, believing him, loving people, and doing what he says you can do. It's really, really that easy. So sometimes these gifts, they, they have to be stirred up. Holy Spirit's in you. He's ready. He's willing. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's ready to go. But you're just, mm, mm, no, go for it. Do it. You know, so one of the good ways to, to get these things stirred up is to hang out with people, read books, uh, watch TV shows, whatever. Get around people who are doing the things that you want to see. Because a lot of stuff's caught, right? A lot of stuff's caught. A lot of stuff, when you see it in somebody else's life, you're like, yeah, wow, if he can do it. And then you get to know somebody, you're like, wow, if he can do it, I can do it. Just kidding. Wow. So get stirred up. Stirred up. Here's what John G. Lake said. Uh, if you don't know him, uh, hundreds of thousands of people healed by this man's ministry. Absolutely ridiculous ministry. But he says this. He says, Beloved, it takes faith to exercise your gift of God. There are just lots of people around everywhere who have gifts of God. And we all have the gifts of the Holy Spirit if you've got Holy Spirit in you. You've got gifts, but they're lying dormant in their lives, and there's no value for the kingdom of God through them because of the fact that they have no faith in God to put the gift in exercise and get the benefit of it. I believe in this is not the same as I believe, therefore, be healed in Jesus' name. That whole package, I believe, therefore, I spoke, and it moved me to action. That whole thing, that's faith, right? So I believe God wants to speak to me. What does that look like? I believe he wants to give me words of wisdom and knowledge. So that means I'm, I just position my, my, my disposition. God wants to speak. I'm going to be open. Maybe it's something as simple as what it says in Proverbs, right? Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Maybe it's as simple as Jesus. I need some help here. Holy Spirit, what do I do? And then listen. 
And there's a relational process for you to work out. So maybe you, you, you try and you fail. Maybe you think you heard from God one time and you didn't. And it turned out to be you had a fantastic pizza dream or something like that, right? Don't be discouraged. Keep going, right? You laid your hand on somebody and, and, they, and they weren't healed. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Build up your faith. Pray in tongues. Do stuff. Build up your faith. Do what you need to do to grow in faith. But don't ever let a lack of expression or a lack of manifestation in your life push you onto the religious treadmill of, if I do this more, it's going to happen. No, be resolute that you're going to stand in faith that this is a grace gift. And I'm not going to pollute and tarnish the gift of God by now believing that my straining is going to produce it. Right? So go for it and keep going for it. Be in faith and stay in faith. And learn and grow and exercise. You know, you, the, I think it's in Hebrews where it says, by reason of use, people have come to discern good from evil. By reason of use. Put it into practice. So you, so you try something and it didn't work. It was a spectacular failure. Did you love well while you did it? Did you try and love the person? Right? Love wins. So the point is here that it, there's, there's really no formula. I hope that's not disappointing. I hope, it, I hope that, that, that excites in you a, a passion and a desire to develop your relationship with God and to try stuff and to, to step out and say, Jesus, what are we going to do today? Holy Spirit, what should we do here? And, and try it and, and just have faith and do it. See, it's faith that gets results. It's faith that substantiates those unseen things into manifestation and fruition in our life. And the faith of God, it looks like something, and it, and it has a certain flavor, a certain characteristic to it. This is how you know you're living in faith. Galatians 5, 6, Paul says this to the same Galatians. He says, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, scratch everything else off your list. This is what counts. This is what matters. And this is what counts and matters when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, too. Faith expressed through love. Full stop, period. Before that, he says, it's not circumcision or uncircumcision. It's not your religious works or your lack of religious works. It's not your religious identity or your lack of identity. It's not because you're an insider or an outsider. It's got nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. It's absolutely down to faith expressing itself through that. And that's not just, by the way, a gift to the Holy Spirit issue. That's an all-of-life issue. You can get rid of everything else but faith expressed through love. That's really where it's at. And then that brings me to the last thing today. What, what are these gifts for? I'm qualified. I know what they are. I got faith. I'm ready to go. What do I use them for? Important question. It really is. You know, say you're on a building site or something. I tried that. I was terrible at it. But you say you're working construction. You probably know better than to try and hammer a... I don't know, hammer, what do you call it, nail in with a screwdriver. <laughs> you would know better, right? Tools are for something. They're to, they're, they're to be used for something. So here it is. That's actually not far from the truth. I had a little mental block, but then that's why I only lasted a week. The guy would be like, go get me this. I'm like, wow. I don't have a clue what you're talking about but the house you're building looks great. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the profit of all. It's for the profit of all. It's to profit people. 
It's to profit everybody. Now, this word profit is really, really interesting. It's, it's the word sumfero, I think, like I said. But uh, it's to bring together. It's to collect. or It's to, to, to connect, to collect, to bring people together, and to be profitable. There's two dimensions to that word profit, which I think is really, really fascinating. Because, like I said, there's two words to it. There's, there's the connection, the bringing together, and the actual benefit. So I, uh, I have this little definition here up, up here. Coming. Well, first of all, there's a profit. So there's the gift. Let's talk about the profit. There's a, there's a result. Something profitable happens. So an example, again, we'll pick on healing. I lay hands on the sick. I believe Holy Spirit wants to exercise the gift of healing through me. I lay hands on the sick and the person's healed. Fantastic. Profitable result. Result. But that word profit has two parts to it. It also wants a connection. So there's a connection that occurs between God and the people who are involved. It's not just about the result. It's not just about the miracle. It's about the God who's working the miracle through you. It's about the person who's being used to work the miracle. And it's about the person who's receiving the miracle. And all of that together equals profit for all. It's not just the, the, the singular focus on the result. That can leave you just kind of running over people. And just making this about the gift itself rather than... The, the loving God who wants to do something positive in somebody's life. So, so there's a, when I say connection too, I just want to be clear. I, I don't mean that if you, if you want to feel more connected to God in the sense that you're somehow distant or separated right now, use the gifts of the Spirit and that'll make you more one. No, you're already one with Jesus. You're one spirit with him. Same book, Corinthians says that. You're one spirit with Jesus. But when I say connection, I mean this. There's a definition of connection that I love by Brene Brown. Uh, and it says this, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. Can you imagine exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You're, you're discerning spirits. You're, you're using a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. And, and what you're wanting to see happen is that person feels seen, heard, and valued in the whole experience. Where it doesn't just become about the explosion of power, divorced and detached from love or the well-being of that person. That's pretty cool. They can give and receive. They can uh, give, be used by the gift, receive the benefit of the gift. I received the benefit of a gift last night. It was fantastic. I, I'm not kidding you. I was losing my voice. I couldn't even speak. And Pastor Cheryl and some of the elders pray for me, and I can speak. Praise God. When you can give and receive without judgment, I'm not afraid to ask for prayer or the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life. I should be able to do this myself or anything like that. No, absolutely not. I can give and receive without judgment. When you derive sustenance and strength from the relationship, result in that environment, in that context, with that relational focus, result plus connection, that equals the profit of all. That's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit looks like. That's what I think it should be. So exercising the gift of the Holy Spirit, any of them, it should leave somebody that, you, that you're ministering to. Uh, first of all, with, with a result, we want results. Well, don't worry about the results. You know, God loves everybody. That's fantastic. But God wants to love you through the results. So if you're not getting results, no condemnation. Heck, I would be super, super condemned if that was the case. But keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. Because it's all, it is about the results. Jesus doesn't love people with a, a positive hope and an intention. He rolled up his sleeves. He got involved and he produced results in people's lives. And we need to do the same and not be content to kind of explain maybe why it's not happening or to be content to say, ah, oh, well, I loved you well. You should love well, though. 
Like, you got to see results. We want results. We absolutely do. Absolutely do. But beyond the result, it's utilized, it's administered in a way that leaves that person feeling as though they're seen. They're heard. They matter. There's value attached to their lives beyond the fact that they're the project that you get to exercise the gifts on. I've, I've done, the only reason I say that is I've, I've done that a lot. I really have, and it's really, really ugly. It's really alienating, and it really hurts people, even though you're trying to do something godlike. So, I mean, if your attitude, if the whole thing is just bathed and baptized in love, success or failure, love well, no matter what, right? Love well. The gifts of the Spirit, they should help to facilitate a relationship with God and others that allows them to be free, allows them to be themselves. See, there's no price tag attached to the gifts. You know, when I, when I want to pray for somebody and there's, there's something of God that needs to be communicated to them, I'm not like, oh my goodness, you know what, if you would just then this. No, it's free. It's without judgment. It's a grace gift, right? It's, it's all free. We've got to represent Jesus accurately. It's free. He freely gives us stuff. Should be free to relate to God without judgment or shame. So it's all about love. I mean, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, they sandwich chapter 13, the, the chapter about love. So Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 to 13, 2. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I'm just a bunch of noise, annoying noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove all mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Nothing. Those are some pretty spectacular miracles. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a mountain moved. A real one, not a figurative one. Even if you can do that and you don't have love, you are nothing. Harsh words from the apostle of grace, right? But get rooted, get grounded in love. So Paul says that this should be the attitude that we have when we combine the whole thing together. And just by way of a little bit of personal self-disclosure, this is kind of where I'm at right now. This is where I've been at for a long time in my life. This is something that I'm really seeking on a daily basis to implement in my life. And that's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. This is out of the Amplified Bible, but it says, pursue this love that we're talking about. Pursue this love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no records of wrongs. It hopes all things, believes all things. Hope believes all things. It doesn't think, ah, that person's going to mess up again. No, it believes all things. Pursue this kind of love with eagerness. Make it your goal, yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. So he talked about desire. Covet. Be jealous for. Want these things. <laughs> Be aggressive about it. But that, that, that word, pursue love, dioko, it actually means to put to flight, pursue, by implication, to, to persecute, to aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch. So in other places in the, in the New Testament, when it says that the Christians were persecuted, Paul used to persecute the believers. Jesus talked about how the Old Testament prophets were persecuted. It's actually the same word, pursue. And it gives you a picture that God wants you to chase this thing down. He wants you to hunt down love. He wants you to be aggressive, even violent about it. I'm going to love. I'm going to learn how to let the love of God inside of me find full expression in my life. And I like the idea of love because it involves somebody else, 
right? You have love, that's fantastic, but you need somebody to give it to. I think that's why, you know, God created us. He was having such a good time with himself. He just wanted to share himself with us. He wanted to give, give love. So there's somebody else. Chase down, hunt, pursuing like a catch. That's not creepy. Somebody that you can love. To express love in people's lives with that kind of aggression, that kind of passion, that kind of dedicated pursuit. I mean, think about Paul frothing at the mouth and just all crazy. I got to get these Christians, chasing them from town to town. That's your pursuit of love. Be aggressive about it. Go hard after it and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I got one more slide here, I think. Sean Boltz. Another, uh, another guy right now in a really powerful way uh, being used by God in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are the kind of people, you know, you, you see that gift and you're like, yeah, I want that. Read some books. Don't get weird. Don't get creepy. But read, read some books. You know, you, you, God's not trying to make you shambles or, or Pastor Carl or Pastor Cheryl or anybody like that. He's trying to make you you. You are you. Be cool with who you are. But learn from people, right? But he says there's no power from God that's separated from love. You can, you can administer a gift of the Holy Spirit without much love, but the joke is on you in the sense that God actually is doing that because he loves. You're the disconnected one in that equation. The other person's getting benefited. They're, they're feeling love. That's, I hope. That's fantastic. God's loving the person to activate and, and manifest his power through you. So align with God. It's all about love. So this is my paraphrase. This is what we're all talking about. This is my own personal paraphrase of uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Hunt down, chase after love, and in doing so, covet spiritual gifts. But do so as a way to manifest and demonstrate God's love and desire for other people. Hunt it down, chase it, pursue it, go hard after it. But don't neglect the gifts of the Spirit. Don't despise them. Don't, Don't put them on the back burner until you love right. Yeah? Go for it, both at the same time. Package deal. God's love. He so loved the world, he gave his son, and with his son, he will freely give us all things, including the miraculous, ridiculous expression of these gifts. And the world needs it. They really need to see Jesus Christ as he is. And he is a powerful, mighty God who wants to heal people, speak into people's lives, set people free. So we should too. Amen? All right, let's all all stand up. So that, uh, the invitation to partner with Jesus in this most amazing and fantastic way, that invitation that's given to all of us, it, it really does start with uh, accepting Jesus, with saying, Jesus, I, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be Lord in my life. I want you to live inside of me. I want to do my life with you. And if you're here today and you've never done that before, we're going to give you a chance today to say, Jesus, I want to do life with you. Come, come live with me. Live in me. If you never accepted Jesus before, I just want to give you that chance. What I'm going to do is just ask everybody if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. And uh, if that's you and you want Jesus, I'm going to ask you at the count of three just to put up your hands so I can see it. You want Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Three, if there's anybody here, you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to be invited into this whole amazing life of divine empowerment and enablement, of advantage. 
I don't see anybody, so we're believers, which is fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's all pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for, for winning the promise. You ascended on high. You sat down at the right hand. You received the promise of the Father, and you pour him out on us all. You pour out the Holy Spirit. You received from the Father the promise. You qualified us. And we receive, Lord Jesus, with open hearts and ask that you would fill us, baptize us afresh and anew, fill us, Holy Spirit. And let your gifts find full expression in our lives. Let faith arise in our hearts and in our lives. Let faith arise at work. Let faith arise in your heart at home. Let faith arise in your heart when you're going places, when you're in public, when you're in the community, whatever you're doing, be open. God himself wants to move through you, demonstrate his love, his goodness, and his power through you. Know that. Be open to it this week bless you father thank you we're going to have testimonies of signs of wonders of miracles of supernatural expressions of your love god i believe it we're going to see it because you will it holy spirit wills to use you know that today holy spirit wills to express his gifts through you in power and might every day be open to it so father i thank you i bless you i thank you for this this amazing group of people and i ask father your biggest blessing on us all and again, Father, we pray for our pastor and we ask for Wayne and Stephanie. You bless them, keep them safe, and open doors there in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Oh, and uh, the altar ministry, too, I should say. Sorry, don't go yet. Uh, there's people praying at the altar for you today if you need prayer for anything. If you want to experience a gift of the Holy Spirit in operation in your life today, you want to experience the advantage of the power of God administered in your life today, come on up for prayer. Bless you.